If education is the foundation of our future, why hasn't it changed much in the past two centuries? We're now realizing that we all want something different from education, that education hasn't changed largely since the 19th century. You know, it still looks very similar and our kids need new and different skills for the 21st century for the workplace, but also for their mental health and their well-being in the future. Hello, this is Jeff Sanders, and welcome back to another episode of the Live Happy Now podcast. This week, we're talking to Emily Larson, a researcher, instructor, and practitioner in the fields of education and public policy. As director for the International Positive Education Network, which was formed by Martin Seligman, Angela Duckworth, and Sir Anthony Selden, Emily is part of a movement that is turning the academic research surrounding positive psychology into practical lesson plans and interventions for educators and students. Live Happy CEO Deborah Heise sat down with Emily to talk about what's happening in positive education and how you can be a part of the World Positive Education Accelerator in June. Welcome to the Live Happy Now podcast. Emily is someone who I've worked with for the past few years because she is the director of an organization that is near and dear to my heart, which is the International Positive Education Network. Um, Emily is also a researcher, instructor, and practitioner in the fields of education and public policy. Um, For the past three years, she's been an assistant instructor to Dr. Martin Seligman's course in the Master's Applied Positive Psychology program at the University of Pennsylvania. Um, As many of you know, Martin Seligman is, to a large extent, the father not only of the positive psychology movement, but also a lot of the ideas that we promote in Live Happy in addition to that. And so she gets to work closely with him. So I'm a little jealous of that. I'm going to lead off simply, Emily, by saying welcome. Well, thank you for having me. It's it's great to be here. Uh, We're big fans of Live Happy, obviously. So we're excited to be on the podcast today. And we're excited to have you because we are big fans of what you guys are doing. Um, so I guess we should start so our audience knows exactly what we're talking about is uh, what is IPEN? Great question. So IPEN is, as you said, the International Positive Education Network. Um, and to give you a little bit of context and maybe some understanding of why IPEN exists, um, IPEN was really born out of this meeting of the minds between Dr. Martin Seligman, who you described as the the founder of positive psychology, and Lord James O'Shaughnessy, who is a policymaker in the UK. And together in 2014, they brought together 14 of the leading minds in positive psychology and education. And they didn't know exactly what would come out of this meeting, uh, but two things arose from this. And the first was that um, we have a lot of different names for what we call positive education. So some people call it uh, socio-emotional learning, some people call it character education, some people call it well-being or performance virtues, but we realized that during this meeting we're actually all talking about the same thing, and that before this meeting we kind of, our work existed in silos, so there was researchers uh, doing some amazing work, there was policymakers, and then there was educators who were at the heart of this movement, uh, but they never spoke to one another or shared best practices. So IPEN was really created to become a governing body to promote teaching, character, and well-being in schools. And we do this by being a network that acts as sort of a big tent to invite in all people related to this movement, uh, no matter what you call it, to support and provide content and events for teaching character and well-being in the classroom. So... 
You talk about, you know, the 2014, um, this just getting started, you know, really as an idea between these, these great minds and, you know, being privileged to have been on the uh, sidelines in the, in, in, in the observatory section, I guess, would be where I've been sitting because, you know, I've, I've been uh, working um, with you guys to host some events over the last few years. It's been fun. Really, tell me about how explosively, you know, this has really expanded, how this idea has really gravitated, because I know you guys are in several markets with ambassadors and all around the world. What's the scope of this movement now, right, um, in the world? Yeah, so since our inception in 2014, I'd say we're uh, now a toddler, so we're about four and a half, um, <laughs> and, and that means that we've grown a lot, and so we now have a network of over 28,000 people from around 140 different countries. We also have IPEN Global Representatives who uh, are ambassadors of IPEN and kind of promote in their region character and well-being and positive education. We have uh, 48 of those people from 32 countries. And we also, uh, two years ago, opened our first regional branch in Dubai uh, and partnered with KHDA, which is the Knowledge and Human Development Authority, um, and they are the regulatory body for all the private schools in Dubai. So the the network has grown vastly, but I think also the movement of positive education uh, from the four years of being involved in IPEN and, and running it has really exploded. I think we're now realizing that we all want something different from education, that education hasn't changed largely since the 19th century. You know, it still looks very similar. And our kids need new and different skills for the 21st century for the workplace, but also for their mental health and their well-being in the future. Yeah, when you, when you talk about uh, schools not having changed since the 19th century, uh, of course what you're referring to is the idea that back then what they were really trying to do is educate a workforce that was going to be part of this industrial age. They weren't really trying to educate people, they were more trying to develop skills that applied. How has that limited, um, limited our educational paths and in, in how we think about that? How, is the, how, how, how are we moving away from that? And how is that gonna change the way we educate people? So I think I should also say that some schools haven't changed since the 19th century. Um, obviously, their school is doing amazing work, and, and we are seeing um, a lot of schools changing the way that they educate. And I think the, the large issue is that uh, schools have fallen into the trap of, like you said, educating for specific jobs in the past. And now, uh, a lot of times, it seems that we're educating our students to be able to pass exams. So the large, um, you know, the, the kind of metrics that we use to judge if a student is successful is by what grade he or she gets on a certain exam and then standardized tests later in life. Uh, but we're realizing that this leaves us with a lot of students who are able to memorize information and pass exams, uh, but not really the information and the skills like resilience and grit and optimism uh, to be able to, to go in the workforce. That's largely changing because of technology. Uh, a lot of the jobs that we educate our students for in the past just don't exist anymore. Uh, so we really do need to reimagine what the purpose of education is and, and what role we should be allowing for, again, character and well-being in the classroom. So tell me about some places, uh, give me some examples of places where this has really been put into practice and you're seeing results. Because I know we've talked at length about several organizations in various countries, but give us a couple examples so our listeners can truly 
get the difference between what they think of as school or education and what some of these more progressive uh, programs that are adapt adopting positive education are, are deploying and the results they're having. Yeah, so I should mention that um, at the moment, positive education looks very different from culture to culture and school to school. So IPEN doesn't promote one certain uh, curriculum or one certain approach uh, to positive education. So the examples that I can share with you today are, are some examples that have been rigorously um, rigorously measured and tested and I think are some of the kind of best examples we've seen in the implementation of, of positive education, but they don't all follow the same approach. So uh, the best example I know of is from Dr. Alejandro Adler, who studied under Martin Seligman and is a, a friend and colleague of mine. He, in his graduate career, went to Bhutan, which is a small Himalayan country, um, and they, in the 1970s, adopted uh, gross national happiness as a measure of progress. Um, so they're very progressive already and, and very advanced in their thinking about what it means to live a good life. So Alejandro went to Bhutan and he developed a curriculum that would be implemented in all the schools. And he taught uh, 10 essential life skills, things like communication, leadership. Uh, they also had gardens in all their schools, which isn't a luxury we can all have, but um, definitely enhanced the learning of the students there. Uh, and so they measured, they split the country essentially into two different groups. So half of the schools in the country received positive education alongside normal academic learning. And the other half of the schools uh, just received normal education, so academic learning and also some nutrition. And what they found after a year of doing this was that the students who learned positive education, not surprisingly, increased their scores on well-being. So they increased their levels of life satisfaction and happiness, which is what we would expect. But I think what we didn't expect uh, was that they also, the students who learned positive education, increased standardized test scores and gained about six months of academic gain compared to their peers. So this example for me, I think, really breaks down this idea that by adding something to the curriculum, by teaching character and well-being, you're taking away from academic learning. I think that we've created a false dichotomy over the years that you can either be happy or successful. And Bhutan, which was replicated by Alejandro in Peru and Mexico with much larger sample sizes, has shown that that's just not true. That character and well-being being taught and woven into the ecosystem of the classroom enables students to actually learn better and to flourish in life. So people who, so, so students who are receiving the benefits, and I, and I, very clearly understand what you mean by it doesn't manifest its positive education doesn't manifest the same way in different schools, right? Or in different programs or in different cultures. It's different everywhere. But essentially, I th find it fascinating that when we focus on well-being of students, their grades also improve um, or their academic performance. Grades is probably too, <laughs> uh, not quite the right word, but their academic performance overall improves. Um, that's interesting. How how do we get the word out? Because obviously the educational systems, first of all, the network's grown amazingly. And just for, you know, you, you called you called IPAN a toddler earlier. But to have as many representatives and as many people engaged as interested in as many countries as there are right now is really quite a large, uh, you know, a large impact that you've already had um, on, on the world. But how do we get 
education systems, particularly this is a predominantly a U.S. Uh, podcast, but of course other markets listen to it. How do we get schools to pay attention to this? How do we get them to recognize that this makes a difference? I think that's a, a great question and one that's definitely on the mind of IPEN all the time. Um, I think that the best way to do this is to con- to continue doing uh, rigorous evidence-based interventions in schools and to find the results of those. So we need to replicate the studies. Um, so that's for kind of educators and researchers to do together. But I think something that everyone can do, and, and this is the reason that IPEN um, is having our next event, is to come and learn about what positive education is. Uh, they can also sign up for our website, of course, which is uh, www.ipen-network.com. And we have free resources and learning content and ways that you can get involved in the network. So I think that's that's one step. But the thing that I'm most excited about and I think will create the awareness and the sea change that we're hoping for, especially in U.S. education systems, is our latest event coming up in Fort Worth, June 25th to the 28th, uh, called the World Positive Education Accelerator. So... We held an um, International Positive Education Network Festival a couple years ago, uh, two years ago, actually, this coming up June, here in Dallas, um, and it was a phenomenal event. It was well attended, uh, for, especially for a first event for, for any organization. It was, it was an amazing experience. But this one, I'm like you, I'm very excited about it because it's very different. It's a good way to learn about positive education. But it also gives the people who are attending the ability to really frame the conversation going forward, really participate in changing the world. And I know a lot of our uh, a lot of our listeners are very uh, social activist related. You know, they're happy activists, as we like to call them. But tell us a little bit about how this event is different. Yeah, well, we're really excited to be partnering with the David Cooper Writer Center for Appreciative Inquiry at Champlain College. Uh, and the reason that we're, we're doing things a bit differently is because, like you said, in 2016, we had our first festival of positive education. And after the event, I was uh, inundated with emails of people saying how inspired they were and how, you know, the thing about IPEN is they felt that they had come home, that they found a part of a movement and that they felt they were alone before this. So I think that's the I mean, that's the best thing I could have heard after an event like this. And the word that I kept hearing over and over again was that they were inspired. And I think that being inspired is the first step of change, but it's not sufficient. So in this next event, we partnered with uh, David Cooper Ryder, who's the founder of Appreciative Inquiry Summits, uh, so that people could not just be inspired, but also walk away um, having action steps. So an Appreciative Inquiry Summit is uh, four stages where people go through discovery, dream, design, and deploy. And through these stages, they first learn about what positive education is, they learn about best practices, and then in the next stage, they imagine and envision the possibilities of the future together. And what's really interesting about this kind of event is that we're not just focusing on educators or parents or uh, policymakers, we're bringing together all these diverse stakeholder groups to have a united conversation and to dream together about what the future of education could look like. Uh, in the third stage, then, this is where the, the kind of rubber hits the road, uh, where people will break into, uh, and this is 
an audience of probably over a thousand people will break into smaller action groups around whatever speaks most to them. So maybe that's redesigning early education curriculum or focusing on U.S. policy. And together they co-create what this should look like in the future and how they can get there together as a group. Uh, And the last phase is deploy, which is largely what happens after the event. So we all know that the most successful um, mark of a conference is the day after. So how do you follow up with people? And this will give people uh, action groups of around 20 to 30 individuals that are their team where they're have a five-year plan and they move together on a certain project. Um, so we're really excited that this event is, is happening and that it's in such a unique format because we really want to bring the strengths of the audience, the inspiration and the passion of the audience to the main stage so that they can be key contributors and change makers in this movement of positive education and help design really what the future of not just education, but also of what IPEN will look like. So who who can attend this event, and what, what do you expect the audience to look like? What, what, what should it, or not the audience, I shouldn't say audience, because in this particular case, what do you expect the participant makeup to be? Because, of course, this is a tremendously interactive experience. Absolutely. So this is really important. Um, I think when we're looking at conferences, we, we think we have to have a certain knowledge set or expertise going in, but this conference, we really want to open it up to everyone. So whether you've heard of IPEN, Live Happy, or Positive Education or not, we we want you to be there. Um, We really think that this conversation is not complete unless we have every single stakeholder at the table, uh, from someone who knows absolutely nothing to world experts who are speaking like Angela Duckworth and Martin Seligman and David Cooper Ryder um, in the same room together having a conversation. So we were expecting the audience to look very diverse. We already have 30 countries coming and attending. So this isn't just a U.S. movement. This is a global movement. Um, so we really do invite everyone to come and, and to participate in this, this World Positive Education Accelerator with us. Yeah, specifically, I, I think it's really fascinating that, um, you know, we want parents and even students of a certain age. I mean, obviously, you don't want... Uh, toddlers running around the event, but um, we also uh, we also want students to be able to attend to participate because, as we know, sometimes uh, different generations think differently. And and you know one of the things that Live Happy is doing is we're providing twenty high school age student scholarships uh, to attend. So we are also going to have some students in the room, which, which to me is really exciting uh, to to hear from the people who are experiencing what we're talking about right now. Um, so. You know, I'm super excited about this event. It's imminent. Uh, you know, it, it, it's in June of this year. It's in Fort Worth. What, what is the future of IPEN? What, what do you really think? Um, what's your vision for where you can be in five years? Well, I hope that that's something, um, you know, we, can, we have ideas at IPEN internally of, of where we hope to go. But actually, we're really looking to this event to help us shape the future of IPEN. Uh, we've learned over the past four years that we can't um, we can anticipate what people need, but we we can't make assumptions. And so, what we're really hoping with this event is that people tell us where they want IPEN to go. And I would hope in five years, um, you know, that we have regional hubs around the world, and that positive education doesn't need to be a word, and we really just call it education. So. 
Um, not to put myself out of a job ever, but I <laughs> do that eventually. Um, you know, iPen is less and less needed because this is just part of normal practice and education. You know, thank you, Emily, for your time today. Uh, you know, this is such this is a fascinating subject to me, and I could talk about it forever. So I'm just trying to give our listeners an overview of what we're talking about to find out more. Um, I'm going to ask you to give your website one more time. Uh, sign up. You don't have to be a teacher or an educator to sign up to get information from iPen. And if you can, if you have time, if you're fascinated, if you want to change the world of education, come to the uh, World Positive Education Accelerator event here in, uh, in Fort Worth. Uh, you won't regret it. It's a highly interactive event. You'll make connections with people that you wouldn't, wouldn't believe are sitting at the table with you. Um, it's a great tremendous group of thinkers, policymakers, educators, but also parents and students who are going to be there. And I think if we look back, I personally think if we look back in five years, this is going to be the event that changed education globally. Emily, go ahead and tell people how to connect with you one more time. So to connect with us, sign up for free on our website at www.ipen-network.com. And we will post, uh, that link is already posted on livehappy.com, but we'll post it next to, the, uh, next to this podcast. Um, Emily, thanks for your time today. I look forward to seeing you in a couple weeks. And as always, it's a pleasure working with you. Thanks, Seb. Take care. To learn more about the World Positive Education Accelerator or about positive education in general, visit us at livehappynow.com. And with summer upon us, we wanted to let you know that Live Happy Now is going on a vacation in July. We'll be back in August with all new episodes, a fresh new format, and lots of great surprises we think you'll really enjoy. That's all we have for you today, so until next time, this is Jeff Sanders, wishing you a great day and hoping that every single day you live happy.